You're listening to the Podcast Detroit Network. Visit www.podcastdetroit.com for more information. Hey, welcome everybody to another edition of Tales from the Bar Side. I'm your host, Remy, along with my lovely co-host, Lauren. Hi, guys. And my good buddy, Jeremy, is joining us tonight. Welcome, Jeremy. Hi, guys. Thanks for having me. Seems so weird to call you that. I've called you Fester for years. I was waiting for you to call you Fester. I'm like, who's Jeremy? I am. I'm going to call you Fester. Who is Jeremy? We don't know. (laughs) Nobody. Nobody. Uh, Anyways, like lots of crazy stuff going on in the world. We figured everybody could use a little break and a little levity from that. And so hopefully you're all having a nice cold beverage with us. And we're going to sit back and tell some fun tales from the bar side. Uh, Fest, you were in the service industry for a long, long time. Yeah, yeah, I was. Yeah, Many, many years. You've moved on since. Got yes. out of the game. Got out of the hustle. Got out of the rat race. Do you miss it? You know, some aspects I do miss it. Um, I think the thing I miss the most is the deep friendships and relationships I've created over the years, and you being one of them, my friend. Um, sure, buddy. You have you know, stayed in touch and stayed friends for well over uh, 15 years almost. Yeah. Um, so... <laughs> That's that's the one thing I do miss. I, I certainly don't miss the Karens. <laughs> well, not even the Karens so much. The customers didn't bother, bother me the most. But the thing I, I hated the most was just like the hours sucked, the pay sucked. Depending on what you know, uh, you know, position you held there, um, which I held many hats. Um, <laughs> but that's that's the thing I think that sucked the most. It's just you were always trying to play catch up. Felt like you know, you, you never felt like you were ahead. So, but I, I think everybody in their lives should be a server or a bartender or anything like that in their life. They really should. You'll have a different take on what those people go through. Well, and it makes going out to eat and drink a whole different experience once you've done it yourself. Yeah. And we've For talked sure. about that on, on this show a lot. It's like, if you don't know what it's like and you come in and you're bitching and complaining and you're like, that waiter forgot my water or that bartender forgot my drink order. It's like, you've obviously never done it. <laughs> right. It's all, just give them a break. You know, I mean, you don't know what they're going through. You don't know what. <laughs> you know, if their fun got eighty sixth when they walked in to their chef. You know? <laughs> How many times I used to say that eighty six fun. <laughs> yeah, fun on this on, on the night. Not happening. Abandon all hope, ye who enter these hallowed halls. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, I got good stories too. Ah, uh, yeah. So, so mostly you were on the serving side of things. Did you ever bartend anywhere? I did uh, briefly at the uh, at the old Chilean downtown, and then I would occasionally bartend at the well. Um, yeah, it was just the wells at the time was their way of uh, you know kind of helping out the service industry around them, and and also it created business for for them as well, bringing in the other service industry people in downtown Detroit. So, well, I mean, we made up a lot of their business. To be fair, a hundred percent that outdoor area was hard rock shift people after they got off because nobody changed their clothes. I can't tell you how many times I, I left a lanyard at every bar down there. <laughs> and when I worked at hard rock, that was the running joke that I, I wore like two pieces of flare. Like I was not a flare guy cause I would lose them. So they would have to like the manager at the time. would have be like, all right, just go grab a couple pins from the rock shop. Okay. And I'm like, Oh, good. <laughs> I don't think I ever worked at a place that I had to wear flare, so to speak. Oh, you're lucky. Oh, I, did the bare, I, I didn't even do the bare minimum. I did less than the bare minimum. Yeah, the minimum, the minimum was three. There? The minimum was three. Yeah. 
I think. And then they changed it to five at one time, I yeah. think. I don't know. There were some people who went crazy and put it all over their shirt oh, and all over everything. And um, I hate it. I hate it. I put, I put it around my lanyard. And so you'd have a lanyard with a name tag and it looked like a, a backstage pass. That was their cool thing at the hard right. rock was it looked like a backstage pass and you had the little pins, but I called it my albatross cause it was heavy. You know, it was like, you'd put this albatross around your neck and walk around all night long wearing it. And you take yeah, it out. It's like, Oh God, it's like <laughs> 10 pounds. Those pins were really <laughs> heavy and the pins aren't cheap. I mean, they were like, no, 12, 13 bucks a piece, depending on what it was. Yeah. You would you you know, get a discount, but they, but they would make you buy them, you, you know, and some people were into collecting them and stuff. And the, the, uh, the nerds that would collect the pins, they'd have like a pin breakfast Sunday. And oh, they'd, they'd, God, everybody, they'd be scoping out your pins, trying <laughs> to find like, oh my God, you've got this one. Let me trade you for it. Like, yeah, right. here you go. I so had some have cool like ones that I like. Specific pins? Like, oh, well, yeah. They, like, what every, they would do every is. Store. Yeah. Go ahead. Oh, well, what they no, would do is like each regional, um, you know, each, each hard rock, depending on location in the country or the world, would have a, you know, a, a a themed pin for that city. Um, and then they would release also the ones that were um, um, kind of like a, a limited run, like globally kind of thing. So it was, it was very much designed for each region or each store, depending on what city and, and so forth. So, so that's how they, some of those like, pins like, were, some of those pins were like really rare and like super awesome to get your hands <laughs> on. People would get crazy, <laughs> but the pins were actually really you know it was cool about them and i wasn't a collector of them by any means but they were designed pretty well you know and they had yeah. cool like you know themes to them and obviously being motor city and and you know the rock and roll history that detroit has um they centered around that and motown and that kind of stuff so the artwork was really good and there was always there was always like uh girls you know there's always like little girl pins from each different one right. so it was like you know hot cartoon babes kind of thing <laughs> if you're into that sort of thing if you're if you're a hentai sort of person, I suppose. Do you still <laughs> like, have your pens, or do you not take them with you, or what? I mean, if you're paying for them, I guess they're yours, right? Oh they're yeah, no, I took them with me. Lose them really quick, like I did every yeah, time. Yeah, I, I still. I think I still have a lanyard somewhere with a bunch of pens. I know my son's mother still has hers collection because oh, sure. she was. Yeah, she had a bunch of cool ones. She would collect all the girls that looked like her with the long brown hair. She so actually did my that interview. Her thing. There she you did go. my interview, and then Brooks did my interview, and it was funny because Brooks was trying to be all managerial kind of thing. And I'm like, <laughs> all right, buddy. Shout out to Brooksy. <laughs> shout out to Brooksy. Hey, shout out to my ex too. My son's yeah. mother uh, actually trained me like the first week that I worked there, and uh, yeah, the rest, as they say, is history. <laughs> right. Uh, but we did have some good times. We did have some. The cool thing about working at the Hard Rock was they closed at midnight. So I know, right? weekend nights, we would, if you could hurry up and do your side work and get out real quick, you could still close the bars down and, and you know, we maybe even stay a little later if you need the right people kind of thing. So that was pretty cool. Well, the fortunate thing for you and I during that time in downtown Detroit, which was, what, 13 years ago, right? Uh, yeah. Um, and you and I both lived. Yeah. We uh, I had a loft right on Gratiot and basically between uh, like the Fox Theater and Campus Martius, which is where Hard Rock was. Um, and, you know, and you were at the Leland and 
I picked God. You always had a place to stay if you, if you do the right. All right. Yeah. <laughs> Many times did I stumble home after work uh, from the well in the Baltimore and the old Chilean. Well, and speaking about that too, is that it's not the downtown Detroit that people know now. It was a much more little seedier watcher P's and Q's kind of place down there. You know what I mean? It definitely was. Yeah. Detroit has changed in the last definitely. decade and a half for sure. For the better. For I think. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's that point is up for discussion, debate. Uh, if any of our listeners have some thoughts on that, if you've been around for the long haul and want to chime in on whether old Detroit is better or new Detroit is better, uh, we welcome your commentary. You know, <laughs> <It's> amazing. <laughs> you've got some birds going on out there. There was a lull there. We were just hearing birds for a I second. know. I'm like super distracted because like my neighbors are having a party and it's like all I can hear is them like laughing in the background. So I'm like, oh, invite them on. Tell them to bring some booze and come hang out with Tails from the bar side. Uh, <laughs> um, you know, I, 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 my first stint in downtown in the service industry um, was actually at the uh, Old Shillelagh. Um When I moved downtown, I moved uh, right by Easter Market. Now, not in Easter Market, but right across the street on Gratiot from Eastern market. Like Russell, I think it's Russell, right? Yeah. And uh, it was a guy who was working at guitar center at the time. And one of the guitar techs, he's lived down there for years in this loft and quirky dude and whatever. And uh, roommate open. I was living in Warren at the time. And I'm like, God, this is depressing. You know, <laughs> depressing. It's like every other you know street is a CVS and a, you know, yeah, it's, those, it's the burbs. They all look the same. You need some action. You need some nightlife. Some I was craving for something. You know? Yeah. So I actually opened up a, a spot in his in his loft, and I would jump right at it, you know. And um, and that, that was just such a cool experience because my thought of downtown Detroit was like, you know, I would that's scary stuff. You live down there. <laughs> you're not even in downtown. You're like a little off the beaten path. Um. But if it wasn't for that, I mean, I would have never met any. I wouldn't be here where I am today if it wasn't for that. You know what I mean? And the, and the friendships and the people I've met and, and just the growth that I, you know, uh, had in my life. Just from that moment, that really trajectory or, you know, path my way. Um, but I'll never forget. I, you know, I got down there and, uh, and you know, he showed me the bars and stuff, you know, like the well and uh and old Shillelagh and stuff. And we walk into old Shillelagh and this burly young guy and this other guy is behind the bar, young guy. And they're like, faster. And I went, (laughs) (laughs) they're like guitar center. And I was like, yeah. (laughs) And, uh, and I called Brady from stone Clover and his brother, Mark. Um, and God, it was, God, just lifelong friendships from that encounter alone, too. And uh, so, of course, they're shoving Jameson down my throat and stuff. And and I'm a musician. And at the time, I was in a band with, you know, my guys from, you know, up on in, in the burbs, if you will. Uh, and they were looking for a bass player because they just kicked our mutual friend out of the band, who's named <laughs> Ryan Spooner. And I was like, yeah, I'll play bass. I don't even own a bass, but I knew I could play it. Well, the fun thing about that is that Paulie and Mark actually lived, well, Paulie did. Paulie lived above the Old Chalele. There was an apartment right above there. 
So, and yeah. those who ever know, you know, when you walk into Los Lili, you got the door in front of you, you got the little glass window to your left, and then there were stairs that went up to a door. And then that went up even further, and that's where they lived, and that's where they practiced the band. So, <laughs> I was like maybe 24, 25 years old. I'm like, this is the coolest shit ever. I can't believe I'm here right now. This is awesome. So, so I, I can actually say, practiced in a band downtown in above the Ultralately in Detroit. I cool. honestly like our time, the, the time period that we lived downtown was <clears throat> like no other in, in downtown Detroit because it was starting, the culture was starting to change. The suburban kids were starting to move down there and, and live in cool lofts and practice in bands and the bar scene was happening. Right. You know, people weren't, people were still leery of coming downtown, but you'd still come down for the sporting events. There was a thriving right. nightlife. There was restaurants and stuff like that. So you could go down there and make it and you didn't need a car. You could no. live and walk to work and take the people mover everywhere. Lauren, you ever live above a bar <laughs> before? No, but my last job, I basically lived inside of it. Yeah, you were there <laughs> well, fair enough. <laughs> I did. I lived above Coach's Corner over in uh, Harmony Park. Oh yeah, <clears throat> when yeah. it was over there, and uh, it was cool. We were on the third floor, but like on Friday and Saturday night, they'd have a DJ, and you could hear the music, and you could oh, hear yeah. the people even up on the third floor. So you know, like when when the DJ turns the music all the way down, and you can hear everybody being like, "Whoa, living on a prayer," like. That got old really quick. You know, oh, that kind of DJ, like a top forties, oh, yeah. like yeah. Okay. well, just playing to the college kids. You know, it was like it was two thousand four, two thousand five. You know, <laughs> yeah. so like, uh, but but always that you know, turn it down so that all the kids can scream the lyrics to the like thirty year old song. Well, it's just like, like, oh, <laughs> like remember the Shalili, like the I remember this always is that they would always play uh um oh my god uh journeys uh yes you know what i'm talking about i don't think yeah. i even have the name of the song you guys know what I'm born about. and raised in south detroit yeah. that was a running joke like is there a south detroit no it's windsor <laughs> it's windsor <laughs> south detroit. my South-west friend ryan said kesha only djs yes kesha <laughs> <Yeah>. only surprisingly <laughs> enough kesha actually can sing like really good oh really yeah like really good so I, I don't think I've ever heard her actually sing. Like opera stuff? Like, no, but just, I don't know. Just generally know. speaking, she can sing. No, she can really sing. Yeah, I was like, is that Kesha? Yeah, well, my wife was like, hey, this is Kesha. I'm like, no, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not. Yeah, sure. I would know. <laughs> she, yeah, she can sing. I'm like Sam Jackson and Pulp Fiction. I'm like, I wouldn't know because I wouldn't eat the filthy motherfucker. <laughs> My friend David said, did you mean don't stop believing? Yeah, that's exactly what we Is meant. that the one? Yeah. All right, yeah. David, you win. You got it. The, the terrible one. <laughs> I know. I've heard it. So if I never hear that song again, it's too soon. You know what I mean? Well, you, know, like, you know what's oh. weird, Remy, is that, you know, because we worked at Hard Rock together, um, a lot of people don't know this, that, you know, we know because we were there like every day for, you know, three, four yeah. years whatever but they would rotate the most awful like videos and songs like just constantly 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 yeah and songs you never even heard of and they'll pepper in just a little bit of what's new you know and it was always kind of pop or whatnot but it'd be such a contrast between you know i can't remember the, name of the band either but they were, had a song called uh belly of the whale you remember that belly of the whale i don't know who that is we're gonna look it up right 
I gotta look it up. Hold on, give me a second. Yeah, and then you yeah have- I don't remember Belly of the Whale. I do remember raging against music that got played there. I was like, "Fuck, this oh, is called hard rock. Oh, There's nothing rock. hard and rocking about any of this." There wasn't. There wasn't. There was no Pantera. You didn't have Metallica. You didn't have any bands. There it wasn't even like new metal. Like, every once in a while, every once in a while, they would play some hard rock and stuff. Um, but it was few but, and far between, and there was just there was a lot of crap that I could not stand. And I'm I'm one of those. I'm not good working in a bar that plays a lot of loud music. Like I'm better at a small bar that's got a jukebox to where like it's a little and and my kind of people are playing the money in the jukebox. Um, because if it's like a corporate type place or whatever, I'm just like I'm furious. Or if it's a nightclub where it's all pop top forty oh, kind man. of stuff, I'm just like. I can't. I can't just block it out. I can't just be like, "Oh, yeah, I don't even hear it." I'm like, "Oh, I hate this song." <laughs> like, it gets me in such a bad mood. I remember a few years ago when uh, when that uh, Justin Timberlake song came out with uh, "Sunshine in My Pocket." Oh, dude, like it would get played like five times. That I got that sunshine in my pocket, and it just drove me. That's Justin the Timberlake. Wall, it's so. Yeah, it's so candy ass pop fucking bullshit. I just fucking hated that song. And it was it was the hit of the summer. And so it just got played over and yeah. over. And everybody would lose their mind like it was the greatest thing ever. And I was just like, shoot me. I hate this. Like I can't stand it. One of the cool things about work. Oh, by the name, by the way, the name of the band was uh, Burning Sensations. I think their only hit was Belly of the Whale. Yeah, they played a lot like, of one hit wonders at the hard rock right? was the problem. You know, um, and you're like, who the fuck is this? <laughs> oh, God, God, right? Uh, one of the cooler aspects of working at Hard Rock, though, is, you know, because we were in a band in downtown Detroit, um, and we obviously knew, and we were a good band, and we, you know, I worked there, and we knew every, you know, the people that, you know, ran the show there. We actually got to play there probably five or six times, and it was so awesome when that happened, because everybody's knows us from downtown. We live downtown. So we would get such a huge support out at the hard rock. We'd pack the place. And yeah. But, and the funny thing is they would actually pay us. Yeah. We would get like 700, 800 bucks and like the bar tab, you know, I mean, they couldn't pay it like, you know, thousands of dollars, but I was just privileged to play on that stage where I just served ranch to a table the other night. It's kind of a surreal experience, I can imagine. Yeah. Well, like I did a show there one time, I threw a benefit and uh, raised some money for charity, and my uh, brother's band played. But you know, I got to be the MC that night. But it was it was really surreal to like be on that stage on a microphone. It's like this stage when it's not being used as a rock stage is where tables go. You know, so yeah, it's like you're serving customers up there. You know, I've like yeah. I've had people, you know. Little kids uh, crying and spilling their chocolate milk all over the place and cleaning that <laughs> yeah. up. And then you know, you're up there like hey, performing. Can I have some hot tea, sir? Like it's July. Why do you need hot tea? <laughs> I'm not bringing hot tea. I don't think I'm I've not. ever been to a hard rock. Like any really? of them. Ever. Yeah. It's funny. I had never been one until I went into the one and got the job. I had never even gone in before until I went to apply. Yeah, I was like, oh, okay, this is a popular place. I guess I'll go to work here. I need a job. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I had a couple of friends who worked there, too. So I was like, hey, get me in over at the Hard Rock. That's a cool place, right? Well, that was awesome downtown is that we had such a tight-knit group between you know, just all the the bars and and the people that lived down there. and like It was a tight-knit group, you know? It really and, was. And and a big one too. And it's like you meet so many different people. It's like Detroit is one of those really big but really small towns where everybody knows everybody. Like Lauren, once I met you, 
before we started doing the show. And then we became like Facebook friends. And I realized, oh my God, like, you know, so many people. Yeah, we have so many mutual friends. Right. And we had never met before. It's just, and it's like, the thing is, though, is that we probably have, like, I've probably been to your bar or you might have been to one of my bars, but yeah, we just didn't know each other. So it's like, okay, move on. Lauren, Lauren, where did, did you work? Did you ever work in downtown? No. No. I didn't. I'm not <laughs> gonna lie. No, I didn't. I'm actually kind of like a like a long term person. So like I worked at Necto Nightclub out in Ann Arbor for like eight oh, yeah. years. Well, that's why I live Ann Arbor. Whoop, whoop. Love Ann Arbor. Whoop. And then um and that's kind of how you guys were talking about. Like it's very much so like a family there, you know. Like when I worked there, even to this day, I still consider those people like close friends of mine, you know. Oh, and of then, course. From there, I worked at Grasshopper for five years, and then I worked at Luna and Orchid for two years, and now I'm at Boogie Fever, and I've been there for almost a year. So, Where's Boogie Fever at again? It's in Ferndale. It's okay. like a 70s, 80s, and 90s nightclub. Right. So it's kind of cool because I don't have to listen to like the top 40s all the time. But, the you know, <laughs> and I love 80s music, and that's awesome. But when you hear it every fucking night, you're kind of just like, okay, well, I'm sick the, of this now. <laughs> the thing about that is you would think that like with 70s, 80s, 90s being their their base, you got a lot to choose from. Like you don't they, have to play the same playlist all the time. And you they don't. Mix but it up. There's but, some like staple songs that you hear sure. every single night. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, and we talked about that a few weeks ago band. with Bob. Sure. Like, we talked about that case, the, uh, if you're working at Boogie Nights, you have to. Like, I would feel like that's yeah. on like kind of a a playlist somewhere. Like, yeah, Mondays sure. there's going to be some sunshine. I think there's some overlap there of like certain things. <laughs> Do they ever go kind of off the beaten path and uh, like pull up some obscure, like kind of cool stuff that you never heard? Oh yeah, actually, the owner, like he actually DJs on Saturday night, and he used to be like a DJ for like a big club and everything back in the day, and so he pulls out some pretty old stuff and some pretty cool stuff that you're like, Oh my God, I, I forgot that I love this song so much, right. you know? That's awesome. Cool. So it's nice. It's not too terrible. Like having to hear the same stuff over and over, like working at other nightclubs, I've definitely had to listen to the same playlist for months at uh-huh. a time. Uh, one of the bars I worked at, they closed the night every night, no matter what, for all of the time I worked there with the same fucking song every night. What but song? I can always tell what time it was without looking at the watch. It's <laughs> the song right? cute and you're good. <laughs> exactly. I was like, oh, they're playing Cardi B now. It must be after midnight, you know? like I, I probably would have quit. <laughs> like, I'm good. What she's saying? I, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> it's not so bad. Um, you get used to it. You know it. what's funny about the, like, that kind of obscure song that you've heard back in your childhood or whatever, and, it, you, and you'll hear it in the most weird places ever. Like, I was in CBS with uh, my wife, Veronique, uh, like maybe four months ago. And I don't know how many people remember the song, but Aretha Franklin and uh, George Michael did a duet. And the song is called I Knew You Were Waiting For Me. I guarantee you, everybody knows this song in their head. They've just forgotten it. <laughs> but TVS, right? And I hear pop on and I look at Veronique and I did like a big Chris Pratt smile from Parks and Rec, like... <laughs> <laughs> oh my god oh my god it's that song so like i love those moments those are the best moments ever. 
Oh, yeah, like are. when you're just like, oh my God, I have to go on right now and add this to my playlist because I haven't exactly. heard it in so long, you know? Yeah. And then I listen to it for the next four days straight. Like, I forgot about this Same. song. Well, Until you're sick of it. And then you're like, I never want to hear the song again. <laughs> I just don't, I just play it in CBS now by myself. I bring my phone out and I'm just like, okay, play. Uh, <laughs> Shazam. Shazam. <laughs> I Shazam it. Sounds like you didn't even have to. You already knew what it was. What's that? I said, it sounds like you didn't even have to Shazam it. You knew what it was. Oh, I knew what it was. Yeah. I mean, the song literally is called <laughs> You're Waiting for Me. So, like, it's so and they probably repeat that refrain like a million times. It's a catchy <laughs> tune and super. <laughs> I mean, Aretha was golden. I mean, she made some great songs, but she made some off the beaten path ones too. So, you know, with what's quarantine hit and everybody was on Zoom and stuff like that, I was like, oh my God, Aretha Franklin, who's Zoom and who? Oh, clever, clever. Like, not her best work, but still pretty, pretty fun song, you know? Like, the I Pink Cadillac a, Days. You have a catalog as big as Aretha's. I mean, yeah. any artist is going to have, like, you know, the, the songs that are just like, okay, all right, we're not going to listen to that. Yeah, this one's all right. A couple of duds and stuff like that. <clears throat> well, it's always funny with, like, bands that are really famous. You know, like, let's take Aerosmith, for example, uh, even Metallica, and, and they're getting older and stuff. I think it's just natural to, you know, attach yourself to those songs that, you know, you loved from them from your youth or back sure. in the Whereas when they start to bring out new stuff, it just doesn't hold that candle to it. Maybe it does to the newer people that are just discovering them. But. And that's why we sound like old hipsters. We're like, ah, <laughs> I liked them back when they were good. I liked them back before this crap. Well, I was, a big sold out. I was a huge fan of dance, a huge fan. And when I was like 13, 14 years old and, uh, and I, my dad laid towel for a living. So he'd always like, I was cheap labor for him. Pretty much free labor for him. <laughs> right, yeah. Oh, but the the caveat is that I had to, I always tortured him with my music, you know? So I'm playing him like typo negative, Danzig, t- Twisted Sister, you know, just all that awesome stuff. Rocking out. He'd, he'd listen to it. He'd listen to it. I give him a lot of props for that. I was more of a Misfits than a Danzig fan. Like, I liked Danzig too, but I was really into the Misfits first. So I was yeah. kind of like, eh, it's Danzig's new band. They're okay. <laughs> They're okay. <laughs> I was a hipster before it was cool to be a hipster, right? <laughs> <laughs> the most hipster thing you can say. <laughs> that is pretty hipsterish. I, yeah, you know. <laughs> what can I say? <laughs> oh, yeah, so we had, had some wild and crazy on out there. Yeah, you had a twirler for a while. For a while. The twirlers. That was good oh, stuff. Uh, we had some wild and crazy nights together, buddy. You look at you, you're getting it there. You need a little wax yeah. in it, and you'll be, you'll be fine. I got, I got the wax, dude. I don't want, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not that guy. You can yeah, be that guy. No, I'm not. That's guy. I'm not that guy anymore. It's fine. It's all good. You no, I got to go in front. You've always been that guy. And that's why I love you. Yes. Always been that guy. We used to, so we've had some crazy times downtown watching the sun come up, uh, drinking our faces off until we can't drink yeah. anymore. Going on benders, just going like day after day after that, day after day. I feel like it's, it's like kind of, it's happening now again in quarantine because I've just been drinking like every day. <laughs> I mean, it feels like my somewhere I don't even know. I don't even know. I feel um, like that's well, everyone right now. We're all just drinking every fucking day. <laughs> Remy, what's one of your stories uh, of us, you and I, downtown and our crazy antics back in the day? God, I, you know, I remember lots of poker games. Like with you, it was always about poker. Like because that was that was the heyday. You had like a set of chips. 
and like you'd always have brand new cards you know i was like gonna get a poker game going about it and like yeah. we'll still get together play a little poker like it's oh yeah it's fun but i remember i remember a couple of sessions where it was just like we would play poker until 7 a.m like um, the birds are the sun is up no sleep and like, i had to exhausted yeah, no sleep. your eyes are just like burning <laughs> from like just, cigarettes yeah. and alcohol just, and just we're holy like your body just feels all buzzy and numb you're like shaking a little bit you know you're like i oh, need to we were definitely shaking food I need to eat some food and I need to sleep for like 12 hours. I got to work in three hours. You know? Oh, I, I actually had to go in because towards my end at Hard Rock, I worked mostly the day shift. Um, and so I'd party with you guys, dude, and and I'd have to just not sleep and go in. And then yeah. I walk in, manager, Don, he was, he'd take one look at me and be like, are you hungover? I'm like, yeah, he's like, good. Because I performed yeah. really well hungover for some reason. Or I was funny I or think- whatever. I think, I think I did too. You know, I was, that was always like, if I had to work a day shift serving waiting tables, you know, I'd come up and it's a bunch of business people and they're trying to get a quick lunch and they're trying to get everything fast. So as long as you do it fast, you joke around with them and stuff like, Hey, how's everybody doing today? And they're like, Oh, we're great. Thanks. How are you? And I'm like, oh, I feel like shit. I'm hungover. You know, like, yeah. I'm still drunk from last night. I'm and they terrible. Like, oh, well, I, I remember I actually had a couple of like the because a lot of the copywriter guys would come down and like the suits and ties and we'll do their stuff. And, and everybody was really respectful and nice. And I remember, I'll always remember this too, is that um John Sally, the basketball player for the Detroit Pistons, his yeah. brother, older brother, would come in every morning and sit at the same spot at the bar and he would drink three sambucas and coffees. Yeah. I remember that but guy. He would wrap the shit. And, and I just thought that was, I didn't even know it was his brother until like, you know, years after doing it. So I'm like, what? Okay. It was a cool that thing was- about the hard rock was meeting like semi-famous people or people, right. new famous people. You'd, you'd meet like, you know, famous newscasters, some athletes, some like, you know, some local musicians, some big name musicians from out of town would come in and stuff John like five- that. I remember John Five came in from, uh, you know, obviously Marilyn Manson and, and White Zombie, and it, he came in before the show, and there was like a three, four shift change. That Hard Rock was weird. It had like there was a lull there from the lunch crowd. Oh yeah, before dinner came in, and so, yeah. John Five yeah. came in. John Five, obviously, you know, a Michigan native, um, and he came in with like two like groupies, right? And they just look like bad. Everything looks like bad road. But the problem with the, well, the interesting thing about John Five is that he doesn't drink doesn't do drugs completely sober i'm like you want a beer or something he's like no i have a tea i'm like fucking tea stop it with the hot tea <laughs> well the cool you thing go back that, to the coffee machine you know, right wait for the hot water to come the out. little tin thing uh, and it's like yeah. do you need bring them out uh, bring them out the tray let them pick their own tea uh, so we've got like eight kinds <laughs> 12 kinds and he actually the the fun thing though is that he hit one of his guitars is actually on the wall there you know what i mean so it was cool to like kind of you know stand next to him and walk and just kind of just wrap him. Super nice guy, and one of the nicest celebrities I met there. Um, will kind of surprise you. It was uh, Chris Daughtry. His band was opening up for Nickelback at uh, somewhere down there, I mean, the State Theater or, or Cole or Joe, whatever. Um, and he was just sitting by himself eating there, and I'm like, "Hey, man, what's happening?" And uh, and he's like, "Not much, man. You know, just super super cool guy." I'm like. I'm like, how, how you doing? He's like, I'm good. I'm a little nervous. I'm not going to lie to you. But I'm good. 
<laughs> he was nervous. <clears throat> well, yeah, I mean, you know, this is like American. Like, he was playing just bars and clubs, dude, and you know, tried out for American Idol, and you know, and started his career that way. And of course, you know, I don't know what station uh, station it was on that when he was on, but they tried to like give him a bunch of money to basically kind of control him. He's like, no, I'm just going to go do my thing. And he actually was pretty successful doing it. So, but yeah, some cool Yo-Yo Ma, the cello player. Oh shit. Waited on him. I didn't even know it was him until I got his credit card. I'm like, Oh, yo. All right. (laughs) Did did you call him? Yo. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I mean, it's his name. We do have a question from a viewer. If you guys want to. Absolutely. Uh, Ryan Adams said, and hi, Ryan, by the way. Um, what's the best theme party you have ever done? Like if they turn a bar into a 90s night or a beach thing and had matching music. Ooh, the best. The best one. The best theme party if we could create one or? Um, well, specifically said one that you've worked, but if you could create oh, one, I'll take that too. <laughs> <laughs> Sold. That's <laughs> right? a tough one. Uh, there was... <sighs> I think I've worked at places, well, and especially the Hard Rock that like tried to do a good theme right. night or good. something and never worked out good. No, like I Halloween didn't. is always kind of like a, you know, it's a busy night, but you know, we're going to do a costume contest. Yay. They never did though. I, like right. the, my experience, it, there was never like any cool like theme stuff down there. I think it was just it just lack of ambition or just they just didn't want to do it. Um, I mean, it was a theme restaurant. What they should do is we should do a Hard Rock Cafe themed party. Like everybody dresses up as the servers and gets their and flair. You play no rock music. <laughs> and play zero rock. Play zero <laughs> rock music. Zero rock. <laughs> all pop. All Cardi B. All like that. <laughs> yeah. I I don't think I can last that long. Um, I think yeah. the best ones I ever worked were um, well at the bar I work at now, Boogie. We do a Prince party every year, and that's really fun. They, like, turn all the lights purple. We play only Prince music. Everyone dresses that's- up. It's actually pretty cool. Yeah. Um, but, you know, Necto was, like, the best at themes. Like, we would do some crazy ones. Like, we did heroes versus villains parties, and everyone would dress up in, like, a hero costume or a villain costume. Um, and our halfway to Halloween parties were really fun. So... I think those were probably like my favorite that's almost like their shtick because like everybody gets dressed up to go to necto and yeah know. well it's like on fridays and mondays like mondays is our goth night you know so we would do a lot of like you know halloween themes or we would do um the bloodbath or the blood bash which was just like everyone had to wear fake blood or like zombies um I know that we did a couple of them where like we were all encouraged to to do costumes and stuff and I was like Dr. Blight from Captain Planet and <laughs> you know what I mean like I would always choose some like off the wall character that like nobody knew who I was half the time so that was always fun well, though like doing some kind of theme is like fun if you don't have to do it all the time because we've talked about that too where I've worked at a bar where I had to wear something every week and right. that was a nightmare. Had to be yeah, something different. Lauren, did um, I, I finally remember? You know, downtown uh, uh, city club, obviously. No, oh, yeah, city club. And, you know, Remy, when you lived at the Leland, I mean, clearly above it. Um, yeah, but I remember great memories going down there, and and the people watching was just 
awesome, especially for that time. I think it's a little more acceptable and not well, not acceptable. You know what I mean? Like it, it was a shock factor to me for seeing it for the first time in person, being at that kind of club. Um, but I loved it. I thought it was awesome, dude. Like the goth couture. Oh god, yeah, everything. Yeah. <clears throat> Super cool. Yeah. So I fill in bartending at um, at City Club currently. So like they'll call me in for big events. Oh, really? And it's like equally as fun. It's everything I still remember it to be. Yes. The only thing that's missing is that below City Club, there used to be, um, there used to be Labyrinth and mm. there was like oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. six inches of water. So you had to wear uh-huh. like your big stompy boots in order to get through there. <laughs> kind of like uh, Harpo's. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the last time I was at Harpo's, I went to go see Lords of Acid. Re- oh, shit. No, really. And oh, it was wow. great. It was seriously was great, but I don't, I haven't been to Harpo since then. And that was probably easily eight years ago, at least. Oh, yeah. I, I, years. Last, the last time I was at Harpo's, I played it and it, I was maybe, God, I think 22. I fell off the stage. Because <laughs> <laughs> of course okay. <laughs> there was only nine people there. So it didn't matter. Like really well, didn't matter at all. If you're going to fall off the stage somewhere, you'd rather there's thousands of people to like catch you and you right. know, put you back up like a rock god. <laughs> I was nine am- people laughing at you. <laughs> I was an amateur musician back then. I was just coming hey, yeah. my way. I was finding my way. You, you guys weren't selling that place out. <laughs> no, no. It was like local band night things. Like I should have a lot of good up. shows. Well, I think we so I'm a little bit played. older than I'm Go a little ahead. bit older than both you guys. So my first times at City Club were were way back in the day. And it was, again, it was it was the same kind of thing, you know, it was it was that like industrial kind of like goth and metal all mixed up. A lot of ministry, a lot of skinny puppy, a lot oh, yeah. of music like that, a lot of like um, you know, dreadlocks and mohawks and leather and boots. It's still kind of like chains. that. Still kind of is, but again, <laughs> so like that was those were my people, you know, it was like, I was dressing like that. And that's why I went down there and was like, Oh, cool. Yeah. Like my tribe, I love this stuff. So to me, it was never really so much about people watching. I get that factor and stuff. I was just like, I was trying to blend in as much as possible. Like I was trying to fucking be as outrageous as possible. I kind of have this vision of you as the, the South park goth kids, like the head goth kid. Like that's you. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Whatever. (laughs) I think you might be channeling this right now. I'm just saying. <laughs> you kind of got the curl Damn out. It, yeah. My hair keeps falling in my At face. At least we're not <laughs> saying that you look like the Letterkenny goth kids, although they are probably the funniest of all the goth kids. I kind of, yeah, I kind of <laughs> like the Letterkenny goth kids. <laughs> they're, I don't know. Are they the goth kids or the meth kids? You know, it's yeah, I was about to say, to they're kind of like meth yeah, heads, so that's why we wouldn't compare them to you. <laughs> I don't see you doing a lot of meth. <laughs> Nope, nope, definitely not my cup of tea, not at all. Um, so hey, here's some fun news today. They just announced that the rest of the state can open back up their bars next week. Yeah, Thursday, Thursday, I think. I will I th- I not be Monday. opening up my bar. Yeah. I'm gonna be um, honest with you, I, I have no desire or interest to go and sit down at a restaurant. Zero. There's a lot of people that I like, cannot wait. I've got friends who went to Ohio because they're already open like this past weekend. They're like, oh, it's so good to like sit down in a restaurant and have a drink. I'm like, I get that. I'm still a little like, I, this isn't over yet. But, you know, no. we're not out of the woods by any stretch of the imagination. I don't want to no. run out. I don't want to come out of quarantine after three months and then catch it. Do you know what I mean? Like, Exactly. 
I've <laughs> gone this whole time without getting it. And now like, as soon as everything opens back up, then I go out and get it like the first weekend. How bad would that suck to get COVID the right? first weekend back open? The first time you go back out to a bar, it's going to happen to somebody. Somebody's going to go out to a bar for the first time they're open and catch it. That's just, uh, it's scary to me. Uh, that being said, I do miss hanging out with my friends. I do miss going to bars. I do miss, you know, the, you know, how are you going to get more tales from the bar side if you don't go to any bars? Right. Like, stories? <laughs> we just forever um, tell the same story every week for like four years. Oh, I know. <laughs> I, I mean, both I'm just, of our listeners start getting irritated. Guys, I got way more. I mean, if you need material. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Let me tell you a story right here. This is a good one. So when the Super Bowl hit in uh, Detroit, I was uh, bouncing at the Ultra League at that time. And uh, never forget this. Uh, the place was packed, blah, blah, blah. And we had a lot of problems with people doing, you know, drugs in the bathroom and stuff. So we'd have to go in the bathroom and just make sure that, you know, things aren't, you know, going crazy or whatnot. Um, and I, it's a Saturday night or I forget what night it was. But I go in there and, uh, and I check the stalls and obviously somebody's using the one stall. There was only two bathroom stalls in the downstairs bathroom at the Shalali. And, uh, and I kind of, you can see underneath and I see this guy, he's clearly squatting, like he's Indian style sitting on the floor. Now this is, this bar has been like going all day. Like there's clearly like piss water all over the place. Right. You can't clean it up enough. Right. Right. So I knock on the door. I'm like, what are you doing, dude? And he's like talking on the phone, screaming at somebody. And I'm bang, I'm like, you got three seconds to get out of here right now, or I'm going to kick the door in. Uh, and I'm literally about to kick this door in. And he finally opens the door and he, and he sits up. He's in like a three piece, like, like just a really nice suit. He's now covered in just piss water. And there's a pile of blow that's now soaked up all the juice on the toilet paper dispenser <laughs> and he's out of his mind and his hair was so slicked back with God knows what goop. And I just went, buddy, you gotta go. He's Time like, to go. I know. I'm like, yeah, <laughs> he just said, I know. <laughs> I know. Like just shame came over. Him, you know? You're right. <laughs> Super Bowl week downtown Detroit was crazy because I lived down there. I worked at the Hard Rock. I was working double shifts <laughs> and there was parties every night because there was all these out-of-town people. Well, there's all oh, this out-of-town money. The Hard Rock itself brought in a bunch of servers from out of town to like help us get through it in the kitchen and stuff like that. They were all put up those at, unfinished lofts right there, by the way. They were put up at a big loft with like just a bunch of mattresses. It was like <laughs> it was crazy. But the, the actual Super Bowl itself, so like I was a big, I lived in Pittsburgh for a year and the Steelers were in the Super Bowl in Detroit. And so, you know, it's like that was kind of my my secondary team from the Lions. I was a big football fan back in the day. So like I had some buddies who had a big loft and they were all Steelers fans. And so we, we watched the game at their place. Everybody's got jerseys and terrible towels and lots of alcohol. And I, for Super Bowl Sunday into Monday and like, I, I was off Super Bowl Sunday itself so I could watch the game and party. And then Queens of the Stone Age played at Hard Rock in the um, <clears throat> where the waterfall was. They like turned off the waterfall and made that a stage and just kind of roped it off. And it was a VIP only party, but it was being monitored by the security guards from Hard Rock who I knew. So I was like, dude, that's one of my favorite bands. Like, you yeah, got to let me see him. He's like, oh, yeah. you're good. 
He's like, you work here. Yeah, yeah, you totally can. So here (laughs) I am. I've been up for like 36 hours, like just drunk out of my mind. And I'm just raging to Queens of the Stone Age about three feet from them. And like the guys in the band were weirded out. I mean, they were like, who the fuck is this guy? You know, they're playing, but I was getting looks from them. And I remember like as drunk as I was, they were still giving me looks like, like, what's going on with this guy at the front? Right. Like, is this guy even supposed to be here? (laughs) Who is this? I was the only one. I, I was the up. only one really you rocking out. On? I didn't. No, no. I had my Steelers stuff on. I still had like oh my, my jersey. God, and, so yeah, oh, just amazing. But so I found out afterwards it was Paris Hilton's after party that they were playing. It was, was so. There? There's a. I don't no. know. Like I was so hammered drunk. <laughs> was yeah, but I do. There was a bunch of like girls that looked like you know her friends so like I, I don't know paris hilton wannabes or something i was about and to say wannabes they were <laughs> they were into the band but like wanted to stay away from me <laughs> i was getting a lot of the like they're trying Dude. to fuck the bandmates yeah Not like, every five seconds, I'd be like I this this rock. <laughs> um Freaking uh, squares. Another Super Bowl story, like kind of a celebrity thing, was uh, I was running the side door and uh, Gilbert Godfrey came in. Oh, nice. Oh, God. Um, I love Gilbert. Voice, right? I mean, he's the parent from Aladdin. Like, come on, dude. Gilbert Godfrey. <laughs> like, three foot 11. Obviously, we all expect that. Uh, yeah, he, didn't say, he didn't say a fucking word. For the five minutes I was around him, not one word, because he knew if he said something, people would recognize his voice. Everyone would know immediately. Immediately. That's a very distinct voice. Crazy. And then uh, uh, Dickie Betts from uh, the Mighty Mighty Boston's came in. Uh, Super, super nice guy, dude. Like, totally down to earth. And uh, and Stuart Scott from ESPN came in. And uh, at the time, the upstairs was closed for some reason. I don't know why it was, but I was running that side door. Um, and I talked with you know the owners and stuff, and and we said to all three of them, "Hey, do you guys want to go up there? It's quiet up there. You won't get bothered." That kind of thing. They're like, "No, no, we're good." Dicky, that's like I'm good. Gilbert Godfrey, not a fucking word. Yeah, not <laughs> Just didn't say a word. Because you know, <laughs> It would have been awesome if he actually did like a like a line from a lad. That would have been even better. <laughs> That's the only thing you remember him from is a lad. <laughs> well, I mean, it's his iconic role. I mean, obviously, yeah, kind of. Yeah. Just say Affleck yeah. one time. <laughs> All right, yeah, please. Come on, come on. <laughs> I mean, Affleck. Why is he always a bird? <laughs> oh God, you're right. <laughs> only he thing he can is. be. <laughs> He's got a very squawky voice. Yeah, I get it. Yeah, it's the only thing he can be. He can't even open his eyes. He can't. He's like, like me. Open my eyes. Like every time he talks, it's like he's straining so hard. Uh, Gilbert <laughs> Godfrey is a national treasure. <laughs> he is a national treasure. You a leave him alone. <laughs> you leave Godfrey alone. I- <laughs> Uh, no, it was it was pretty cool to see like all those famous people in town for the Super Bowl. It was because the Hard Rock had had like we did the uh, 
the best damn sports show period live from our stage. So there was like oh, all their it. equipment in there and they were interviewing famous people. So every day it was like, Oh my God, there's Barry Sanders and coach Mike Ditka and there's Stevie yeah. wonder. And there's like Kanye West. Like, uh, yeah, no, just, I mean, just famous people after famous people are just strolling in and then like their whole entourage and like nobody talked to you. You're not allowed to take pictures of famous people and stuff like that. And it's like, well, yeah, dude, we're the hard rock. Like we know better, you know, like, well, you know, what's funny? you know, it's funny about that is that at that time, like the first iPhone wasn't even released yet. I don't think. Right. So yeah, no, everybody's so. picture phones was like their razor, right? Like the most Flip green phone. four pixel, yeah, you could still go buy like a disposable Kodak camera, you know, from the CVS <laughs> and take better pictures with those. Like, right. can you get this process for me? I think I've got Stevie Wonder on this. Like, um, I, I do want to just uh, I want to leave one more story with you guys. Um, and this obviously involves Remy. Um, but this was kind of towards the end of when I was living downtown. And uh, at the time, Remy was bartending at, uh, the sh- um, at Hard Rock. And they would do a comedy night uh, every Thursday. And uh, my buddy Brian at the time, we were hanging out downtown drinking, whatever. And uh, Remy calls me and he's like, hey, are you guys hanging out at your loft? I'm like, yeah, we're hanging out. He's like, can I come by? I want to bring somebody. I'm like, yeah, who are you bringing? He's like, it's a surprise. (laughs) Whatever. Okay. Come on over, dude. So he brings over and, and here comes walking in. Uh, Donnell Rollins, who is best known as Ashy Larry from the Chappelle Show. Now, <laughs> Ashy Larry, he's in my loft now, right? Now, this everybody should be like, oh, who's Ashy Larry? Who's Donnell Rollins? The point of this story is that it's right when Dave Chappelle turned down the $50 million to renew the Chappelle Show. And Donnell Rollins was a huge part of the Chappelle Show, along with Charlie Murphy and all those guys. So, hence why he was doing a comedy, you know, tour run kind of thing. Um, but we actually got to sit and talk with him for like two, three hours about how and why Dave did what he did and how it affected the other castmates. And, and nobody else knew the story. Everybody else was like, what the fuck's going on? But he had the inside yeah. for him. Yeah. Nobody knew the story at all. Nobody <laughs> knew it. And, and he just opened up to us about it. And it was, I felt like I was like, I got some insider information here. Dude, we played poker till the sun came up with him. We did. We did. We sat there playing poker with Tom Rollins. He gave us his phone number and said, if you're ever in New York, like, I want you guys to look me up. You guys have been so cool and so much fun to hang out with. And sure enough, like a year later, I went to New York on a trip and I, and I texted him and he answered and remembered exactly who I was. He's like, oh my God, Remy, you're in town. Like, awesome. How long are you here oh, for? Yeah. Dude, so cool. I mean, I don't have his number anymore, but uh, I'm sure it's changed. Should, no, but you had should, it. We should probably see if he wants to be on Tales from the Bar side sometime. I bet you he would. You probably like, should. Man. He's yeah. got some fun stories. It would be yeah. cool to have him on. It was great. <laughs> I remember him. Hilarious guy. Absolutely one of the nicest celebrities, obviously, we've ever hung out with because yeah. he hung out with us for like four or five hours playing he poker. Did. He was a good yeah. poker player, too, as a matter of fact. He was. I, uh, I think I beat his ass. I'm sorry. <laughs> he, he thinks he wins every Calling single him out. You gotta, you gotta, you tell yourself you win all the time. You win. Just That's not true because I've beat you. Know I've beaten you plenty of times. Shut up, Remy. Don't say that. Plenty of times. <laughs> um, all in good fun. What, hold on. I remember what he said though, um, and I'll never forget this. Is that you know we asked him about the Chappelle thing, and he said 
God, Dave just screwed us all in the pooch. And he, like financially, he, he really did, you know. And obviously, because they would have made a bunch of money doing that too. And obviously, Dave had his reasons for doing so. I totally get it, you know. Um, but it's a story I'll, I will always remember, and especially with you, my friend, uh, because yeah. we were there together through that. So uh, Hanging out with somebody famous and just being real with them. And like, you're just a real person like, like me. And, you know, like you're trying to make, you're you're trying to make your money you're you know you're not the star of the show but you're one of the stars on the show and you're obviously a funny comedian and it was like you know you had this great meal ticket going like yeah like we're going places we're doing stuff and we're in another season and then all all of a sudden like the rug gets pulled out from under you because the star decides he doesn't want to do it anymore you you kind of just just gotta grin and bear it yeah you just gotta you know go out and do the the weird you know hard rock have you ever done anything Anything like embarrassing around a celebrity? Uh, yeah, I have. <laughs> <laughs> this is downtown. Uh, so my wife used to work for a company called Corner Productions. They did a lot of the logistics for like the boat, the you know uh, the boat shows that were the river, the race boat shows that were in Detroit along the Detroit River. I don't know if they still do them. I think they still yes. do. But back, back, you know, they're 10, like. They're like jet boats. Yeah, the jet boat stuff. So they would hold, and Veronique would work those parties with, you know, being part of that team. And so they would always have like a, uh, a um, like a VIP party kind of thing uh, for the staff, like on like the last night. And usually, you, oh, I would think celebrities were there. What do I know? I'm not a celebrity. Apparently, I was talking <laughs> to one. Didn't even know I was. So... I'm sitting there, and I'm, this, this guy's cool as hell, man. I'm like, God, you're awesome. We're talking music and guitars. And I said, I used to work for Guitar Center, and we're just, we're just shooting this shit, man. We're like a big crowd of people right like on the river. And uh, and Verity comes over to me. She's like, hey, can I borrow you for a second? I'm like, yeah. I'm like, hey, dude, I'll be right back. I didn't even catch the guy's name. And she's like, you know who you're talking to, right? I'm like, oh, I didn't get his name. She's like, this is Darren McCarty. <laughs> Well, he was missing teeth, and then they all clicked together. They all clicked. Well, you're not a sports guy, so that makes <laughs> sense. Well, I mean, I was—I know who he was, but I didn't know the name. Yeah. Of the face. Plus, I was wasted, so add that to the you know punch bowl. Uh, he actually, yeah, he, like, I hung out with him too. I think yeah. most people in Detroit have met or hung out with Darren McCarty yeah. at one point or another because he's a very outgoing kind of personality, yeah, yeah. and he is a super nice guy. Like very friendly, very welcoming to his fans very like down to earth and shoot the shit kind of guy. Like he'll, yeah. he'll tell stories with you for sure. <laughs> I have, I actually have one more little embarrassing story for the celebrity, not me. Uh, I was working at guitar center and it was right when the white stripes got really big and I was in the Roseville store and uh, in comes Jack white. Right. And uh, obviously we know who he is and stuff. Um, and comes to the accessories table where I was at and, and he needs some knickknacks and stuff. And I'm like, what's going on, man? It's like, oh, yeah, just, you just got over. Man, this is crazy. It's nuts. It's nuts. I'm like, where are you heading off to next? He's like, oh, we're going to open up for the stones at the garden. I'm like, fuck, that's fucking pretty amazing, dude. Pretty <laughs> right. Amazing. And super nice guy. Stunk to high heaven. Jesus Christ, do you stink? Oh, it, well, like, most rock stars, if they're t- touring and you're not like a bazillionaire yet and you're just famous, you're going to stink. <laughs> right? <laughs> right. So I knew he was kind of like an old school kind of, you know, likes the quirky stuff from back in like the sixties and that kind of crap. Um, and they just came out with this new pedal, whatever, um, where 
for those who are amp owners, if you ever had an amp that had a spring reverb in it, if the amp's on and you like kind of jolt the amp or you move it or drop it a little heavy, it makes this like, it's like this like thunderous reverb spring. Like, yeah, it's not pleasant. So this company made a pedal that like basically emulated. I'm like, dude, you got to see this real quick. So I plug it in. He's like, I'll take it. I'm like, sweet. So he whips out this giant book of white stripe checks. It was this thick, dude. I don't know <laughs> who, is, who does checks anymore, but this was, you know, 2002, whatever. Um, well, back then we need a license so we can put your license on it and all that stuff. I'm like, Jack, uh, I need a license. He's like, I don't have one, dude. Yeah. I'm like, well, then I don't, I can't take a check. <laughs> like it's Jack White from the White Stripes. I, I don't. I'm like, is there anybody else you can get the check? Have you ever seen Adventures of Babysitting? I would have definitely grabbed a manager. We got to wrap up, but I would have definitely grabbed the manager Dude, and been like, we, we it's Jack White. We figured out. <laughs> yeah. I, we, he doesn't have a credit card on him. He wants to do a check. Um, Dude, we thank you so much for coming on the show. It must have been a fun trip down memory lane. And, uh, you know, almost like whenever we get together and hang out and shoot the shit, tell old stories. 100%, dude. Thanks, guys. One of my Thanks best friends. Yeah. One of my too, best man. friends in life, like, forever. And one that will always be one of my best friends for life, forever. Thanks to so, all our viewers that watched and commented as well. And then also, per usual, if you have a story you want to share with us that we can read out loud on the air, then please send them in to barsidetales at gmail.com. Absolutely. All right, guys. We love you. Stay safe out there. Bye, guys. Bye.